Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. We're actually live in the studio with video recording, and so this is going to be where you watch our videos, and as well as online and where you find our podcast. So we have a fun conversation today uh, for the camera, for the microphone, about John 21. We're finishing up Missions Month. It's just Dr. Wiles and I, and we deep dive into just the beauty of the book of John and the beauty of Jesus and how we can share him with our world. So enjoy the listen, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. I have two mediums in which I'm trying to appeal. One, for those listening online, we are actually video recording Watch today. It. Watch it. We are. And for those video recording, this is brand new. <laughs> and so uh, now we're all caught up to what context you're sitting in. And right. so, uh, and sadly, our friend Luke Stair is not here today. Yeah, with us today. But it's because he has a sick kid that's and right. we wish that he was. And so there's two mics. I think he was also nervous about being on camera. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Camera shy. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done it much. I think that's so, right. You know, so it's no, okay. Luke's it's all right. It's okay to be nervous, Luke. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But just, we'll ease you in. Yeah. Just you can be you can be a novice. We'll help you. <laughs> so um, anyway, we're finishing up missions month, and we decided that we get occasionally people that say you show the tell me more graphic at church, yep. and they say we don't know where to find that. We don't listen to podcasts, and so I think it was Luke's idea, maybe Kyle's, um, to get Addison, who's behind the camera, involved, right. and to to go Addison to make an, a video of the same thing. So mm-hmm. this is how we record. Tell me more. Here's our little. Um, Fun station. <laughs> it's a class A server biased preamp. That's right. It's how we record it. But it also has fun buttons. Yeah, it does. And so for those, it, this will translate. And so let's see. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> tell me more. I actually can't hear it in here, you so we don't no know. I have no idea. Was. No clue. <laughs> but that's how all that works. So, okay, now you're oriented. Now we're all oriented. <laughs> we are. So welcome. Look at us. I just think maybe, perhaps, someone is listening for the first time because it's now video. Right. So welcome. This is your pastor, Dr. Mm -hmm. Dennis R. Wiles. Mm. He's relatively new here, so you might not know him yet. (laughs) Um, And I'm Katie Reed Hodges, Mm -hmm. his our minister of congregational life. And Mm -hmm. so together we make up part of the pastoral care team, Mm -hmm. but not all. So, um, okay, we're finishing Missions Month at First Baptist Arlington. Amen. We are... Four weeks in, and mm. we're turning our face to Advent, but not yet. That's right. Not for this podcast. Although some churches celebrate Advent yesterday. Okay, I couldn't get over it. <laughs> they did. I couldn't get over it because I grew <laughs> up. Confused, I grew up in a more you know? liturgical tradition yeah. that wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> but for some free church free friends church. of ours, free church. they said, "You know what? Thanksgiving's over. Let's turn our face toward Christmas. That's right. Let's put an extra Sunday That's in right. Advent. We'll clap for them. Did they add an extra candle? I'm a free church. Did guy. they claim another <laughs> fruit of the spirit in which to celebrate? I have no idea, but it is what it is. So I think when 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 uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Either one falls on a Sunday. Sometimes it gets a little dicey. For okay, folks. that's they, fair. They think, oh, let's go ahead and start. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't actually <laughs> yeah. mind. It's just, I did see it on my Facebook feed and I thought, we're going to wait till what? next Sunday. What is First Baptist fill in the blank doing? <laughs> I won't call them out. Some here. of them are your friends, so hey, don't worry yeah, about they it. They are, I know. And I had to, I did actually make it, I rarely do this. I made a Facebook comment and then deleted it. <laughs> and it wasn't that bad, but I thought this could sound. Uh, our friend Matt Homeyer, yeah. who, who I respect and yeah, love at, at yeah. uh, Trinity San Antonio. Yeah. They did it. Uh-huh. And so, anyway. Yeah. Way to go, Matt. Way to go, Matt. Make it your own, but Absolutely. just you do you. You are the pastor. You're, yeah, he's new. Exactly. He's relatively new there for those that don't know that. So, okay. But we, you have finished up Missions Month by That's finishing right. up John. Correct. So, we spent the last two Sundays mm-hmm. in the last chapter of That's John. Right. And 
what I wanted, what I gave you kind of the offer is last week we had Kirk Rice on wow. because you were on, it was Thanksgiving week. We were all kind of scattered. You were on vacation with your our, family. Our resident biblical theologian. Well, Kirk that's the Rice. thing. <clears throat> and it's like, hey, do you want to come talk about Jesus and this wonderful <laughs> scene of him restoring Peter? Yeah, absolutely. And Kurt loved it. Yeah. If, if he was just more it was animated, just so smooth. More it was just so good. I think he would come across better in this meeting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we couldn't <laughs> find anybody else, <laughs> so we had to get Kurt. Oh me. No, and I just, you know, he he shies away from us praising anything about him. Yeah. That's just Kurt's. But, but he is awesome. He's awesome, and he mm-hmm. did a great job. But oh, that means course. because Kurt was here and you weren't, you didn't get a chance to talk about that scene. Correct. And before we move into this Sunday, is there anything from last Sunday? But I, I did get to preach on it. You know? Yeah, but tell me more. It's about telling us more. <laughs> well, I think I would just say in general, um, John twenty one. Just, just uh, in general. I know. You know when you when you read John twenty. Yeah, and let's do it. You get to the end of John twenty, uh-huh. and John says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Period. Period. And so... And you kind of think, what a good ending to right. the book of John, right? <laughs> Sounds like we're done. Yeah. There's no cliffhanger there. Right. Um, and uh, unlike Mark's gospel, you know, Mark's gospel ends with the word fear. Yeah, Mark just ran out of ink. <laughs> yeah. Needed to mail it. Needed <laughs> to mail that letter today. Deadline. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but, um, and, and what I love about that little text there is it actually tells us why this book was written. Hmm. And so, which is awesome. Then Which is you, about the exact opposite of the beginning of John. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's very clear in the end, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Right. In the beginning, in the beginning of John, you have this cosmic he, statement. He's inviting you into a moment, right? Yes, really. And at the end, he's like, okay, this is what I'm yeah, doing. This is what I, this is <laughs> what I did. Change voices. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and then you have. So then you turn the page, though. Page which, 21. Yeah, which you're like, I didn't even know there should be a wow, page 21. Exactly. So you called it yesterday an epilogue. epilogue. Am I, can I word that right? Yeah, okay. That's what I call it, yeah. I mean, from a from a source so, criticism perspective, right. as in how the Bible got put together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what can you is is there information yeah. out there? Yeah. How do we know more? It's a great, great question. Here, here, here's what: first of all, the, the criticism, the word criticism for those of yeah. you that are watching, it can or sound listening, like critique. Um, it actually means to analyze, and so it's an actual actual field of study. It's a yeah. discipline, almost like a film critic. Yeah, in, right? in the New Testament yeah. uh, arena. And so you have New Testament critics. That doesn't mean that they are, <laughs> when we think critical. of being critical of the text, they are evaluating the text. That's good. How do we get it? All of that. So the, the core critic, if you will, the fundamental critic, they're referred to as textual critics. They're the ones who just look at the text. How many ancient texts do we have? How do they compare to each other? Because these are all originally hand transcribed. And the way it was done, particularly as you get into the early Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. You've got monks sitting in a room and you have like a monsignor, if you will, who's just reading the Greek text. And you've got like 10 or 12 monks just transcribing mm-hmm. what they're hearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that, in could, other words, that could have that could its own create some right? human error, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so what textual critics do is they take the text, they're, they're dated uh, archaeologically with carbon dating and all kind of other Techniques. Plus, also there, there's enough um, historical record on some of these texts to be able to date them accurate, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. In other words, when you have people quoting from a text and referring to it at a certain period in time, well, obviously it, it was already in existence. Yeah. So, okay. so we have about I don't know five thousand good complete copies of the New Testament in Greek. Okay. So, um, the textual yeah. critic, 
his or her job okay, is just look at all those texts. How do they compare? What are the oldest ones? And what are kind the of best ones? The goal being, and what's the purest form of this text we can it's find? It's the Word of God. So right. you're, you're trying to find the best reading of the text, okay. which, which just from a scientific perspective, it's, it is a science, and, uh, and it's really good, and it's incredibly accurate. So we have no mm. question about the text, yeah. to be honest with you. We That's really good. don't. I mean, yeah. if you're an honest person, if you're, if you're the kind of person who doesn't believe you know, that, that Jesus ever lived and all that, well, then you might quibble some. But if you're an actual textual scholar in any arena, you would look at the New Testament and go, wow, this is a whole lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. This is, you can be really confident. Because we talked about like, other comparable writings. Right, yeah. Like Plato's Republic yeah. or those kinds of things. Yeah. You only have, have a, you know, three copies in there. Three <laughs> compared, know, to compared to five thousand that yeah. date back to the early AD one hundred. And when you start comparing them all, they're quite similar, yeah, right? They're reliable so really and trustworthy. Reliable. Yeah. So but then you have other types of scholars okay. who try to figure out other things. So you have the form critics. Mm-hmm. What they do is they look at the form, the morphe, the the form of the material that's in the text and try to decide where did this come from? Was mm-hmm. this a hymn? Uh, was this a soliloquy? Was mm-hmm. this a sermon? Was this ever did this ever exist in some other form? Right. That introduces the source critics. The source critics are the ones who try to figure out what's behind these texts. Yeah. So for example When were they put together? That right. Kind of you got yeah. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Very similar. Mm-hmm. So they're called same eye gospels, synoptics is the Greek word. Well, many scholars believe there was a common source the word kale in German starts with a Q. So some scholars say, well, man, you read Mark, you read Matthew, you read, you read Luke. There's, there's just so much that's just alike. Yeah. I wonder if there might have been a common shared document underneath that that they all three used. Mm-hmm. That we might not have. That we may not have, mm-hmm. and we've never found, right. but, it's, but it's an idea of about a source. Yeah. And so, well, then that leads to the question, well, how did all these texts get put together? So um, John's Gospel is one of those texts that the source critics study to try to decide, was there like a Johannine school of, of theologians mm-hmm. who really helped bring this material together yeah. post-John, in other right. words, after his death, um, which, which feels kind of likely that John wrote this material, but somebody had to actually Put gather it together. It together. Which would and, have been commonplace. I right. mean, that's not That obscure, would have not been unusual right. at all. Yeah. And so some people say, well, okay, if, if that's what happened, then John 21 must have been added kind of right at the end because... Um, Did you have that ending? You look like right? you got this ending. Yeah. Okay. The textual critic, though, here's the textual critic's argument. Okay? okay. Hit me with it. If that's true, then we ought to have some ancient copies of John that don't have John 21. Absolutely. And we don't. Mm. Every ancient copy of John has John 21. And I, there's, is it Mark, the Gospel of Mark, mm-hmm. where there is some that's right. variance? Right. right. We have an ending in Mark's Gospel that is appears to be an addendum, if you will, because we do have the oldest manuscripts of Mark don't have those last few verses. And so we're pretty confident that that was added by a group of folks who were affiliated with Mark. With John, and and the other question is, okay, if it feels like this is kind of like an epilogue, the next thing you do is you study the vocabulary Mm -hmm. to decide, okay, does this seem to be consistent with the rest of John's gospel? Same source, same um, language. And so you've got a couple of, you've got some scholars who would tell you that it feels different in Greek. But you have others who say there's just so much you read Greek. in common. Yeah, I, I would. What do you think? I think it's John. Saying? I do. I think it's, it was part of the original Similar enough text. voice, language, mm-hmm. all that. Absolutely. Okay. And I also think that John's theologian, mm-hmm. and I think John is sharing both of these stories, first of all, because they happened. 
Second of all, because they paint a portrait for the church to understand its role in society. And also, it provides us with the closure we needed for Simon Peter yeah. so that His he story could gets... go on and be the leader that God called him to be. Mm. So I think there's three reasons why John includes it. Okay. So the restoration of Simon Peter, which I preached on Sunday a week ago, mm. powerful text. It yeah. shows the shepherding skills of Jesus, and then he passes those skills on to Simon Peter. I can, I can assure you, Simon Peter is a much better shepherd post-restoration than mm. pre-restoration. Why do you think that? Um, because I think that he experienced the personal shepherding touch of Jesus, and then he's called by Jesus to go he and shepherd understands. others in turn. Yes. Yeah. So he understands yeah. brokenness. He understands failure. He understands mm -hmm. regret, distancing, repentance, and a process Mm -hmm. Of being placed back into um, an area of responsibility. So, okay, can I take you? Can I take you somewhere you probably weren't going to go? <laughs> sure. Do you think that our own experiences, failures, restoration, make us better pastors? Of course, sure. So these green youngins that are, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. straight out of seminary, right? Mm -hmm. you're very got, knowledgeable, but you've got forty years on them now. Yeah. Very no, knowledgeable, no offense. and and you want to and you want to learn and you want to you want to for somebody in my position. I enjoy being around younger ministers because I love the energy. I love the sometimes the innocence. I love the imagination. I love the desire, mm. um, and and also their knowledge because they have been educated at a, at a different time in the life of any seminary than me. Yeah. So which means that there's a different pedagogy usually, or there's a different perspective by the professors who taught them. Mm. And so I'm always interested in so that. And so they bring a new perspective. They do in many ways. And so when I'm you know the years that I spent at Baylor on the Board of Regents at Baylor. Prior to that, I spent eight years teaching at Truett Seminary, teaching preaching. We overlapped. We did. But we, but I, but I didn't <laughs> we take We somehow avoided you. each other. <laughs> well, I had not yet taken preaching one yeah. when you were pre teaching preaching two. That's right, upper level class. So, but nevertheless, but yeah. what I would typically do there and what I still do whenever I'm at Baylor, I will go through the bookstore and I will look through um, the seminary mm. bookshelves. Yeah. And just see what the professors are using now. And I bet text. it looks a lot and different. Very different. And so sometimes I'll just pick up a couple of those volumes because I want to. I want to be reading and kind of uh, just sensing what mm. the this era of seminary students is studying. Oh. However, what the young seminary student graduate young minister does not have there's something seminary can't teach. Correct. And it it's is just the wisdom and the expertise of of just years of being in the mix. You know, being in the in the fray, if you will. Now, you can be in the fray and learn nothing, <laughs> so it does, it's not a guarantee. You can be in the fray and be a terrible <laughs> That's minister. exactly right. Yeah. So, no guarantee there. Yeah. You can Hopefully, mess up though, a lot and not learn anything. Right. Hopefully, you've gained some wisdom. And um, and so I've been doing this since 1983, so hmm. uh, I've got about 40 years in, and so I've learned a thing or two. And hmm. I, there's no question my experiences have shaped me uh, and um, have helped me to better understand, empathize with people. And also, I think, too, um, help me to to know when sometimes to act and when sometimes to let the Lord do what only He can do. Uh, because in ministry, to me, there are, two, there are two aspects of ministry. There's the spiritual component and there's the tactical component. And they're, they're related. They're connected. You can't separate them. Um, and you can, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. You can become so spiritual <clears throat> that, you, that you become paralyzed. You never really take action. You never, the rubber never hits the road, Correct. that kind of tactical. But okay. you can become incredibly tactical, and then you start mm -hmm. relying on your own ability, your own ingenuity, yeah. and you rule out the spiritual side. 
which is just as dangerous. Um, it's like anyway. shoot, shoot, ready, aim. That's is that right. how you say exactly. it? Yeah, you just go so and do. For me, kind the of... spiritual always comes first. It mm-hmm. always undergirds the tactical. It always contextualizes the tactical. The tactical, to me, kind of gives feet to the spiritual, if you will. So, um, And I just see that played out over and over and, and over. And that balance you've developed over your ministry over, life. Over a long time. And, and you see in John 21, Jesus tactically is a really good shepherd. Mm. But he's also a very spiritual person. Yeah, it turns out he gets that balance right every, every time. Every single time. <laughs> Jesus. And he's the only one that does. He's the only one. And, and we uh, have to learn from him. But um, yeah. But he is our model. And so I think we learn. Yeah, and, and so to me, Jesus um, is, is engaging in some very important actions in John 21. So our, one, okay. our text, yeah. one is the shepherding side. Right, so the, the, and this restoration is yeah, The beautiful. two components of the yeah. church are in John 21. Okay. Shepherding hit, the people hit us with of God. It. Yep. Uh-huh. Jesus shows us how to do that. Yeah. Reaching people, though, with Lord. the gospel yeah. for the church, yeah. for the mission of God. So good. And That's that, the first one. And that's, that's what the, that's yesterday. The that's, that's what we talked right. about yesterday, right? Okay. That's right. So that's what I would say. Then so. tell can we may we seventeen minutes in? <laughs> yeah. Tell me more Please. about that text. <laughs> I have some questions. Yeah. I have some questions. First, well, first off, it's a great story. This is just oh, a great yeah. story. It is so connected to everything. Well, you know, John know. is my favorite gospel, right? So, but it connects to everything. And you the got, story, the story is incredible. Yeah, you got Jesus giving them bread and fish. Well, okay, duh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, We've been yeah, seen that before. And um, you've got them catching a miraculous catch of fish. Yeah. Well, that's happened before as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so you've got, it's almost like the, uh, and then of course, when Jesus restores Peter, it's almost like you've got three the fire, years of you've got that. Yeah, the fire. Yeah, and yeah. All of their experiences are all kind of compressed into yeah. this little experience here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's a great conclusion. It really is. Any good storyteller would appreciate Correct. it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And um, that's why I'm convinced it's John's. Because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this wasn't just some... Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And he saves it for the end, but he had to because that's when it happened. Uh, well, it's... Yeah, <laughs> and it, it does weave some things together. It does. You, mm-hmm. you leave with a sense of uh, mm-hmm. closure mm-hmm. that others don't give that's you. That's right. So. I love it. Okay, well, can I ask some questions Absolutely. about it? Absolutely. Okay. Everybody still with us? You still with us? Okay. Um, let's make sure... I don't have headphones on, so I don't really know how one. this is it's going. Just pick one. It's all good. Okay. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> ideal for the moment, I'd say. <laughs> we don't really know. They're labeled. Kyle has labeled them for us, but it oh, well. doesn't translate. So. Right. Okay. Uh, so you preached on, John, you started out with uh, givens, not mm-hmm. obvious. I don't want to say it's obvious, but yeah, givens, right. our context, mm-hmm. just where we are. And a good reminder, Arlington has changed a ton. Tremendously. And I, I, lived, I moved here eight and a half years ago. Downtown Arlington yeah. has changed a ton. Completely different. When mm-hmm. I moved here, and we won't camp out on this, uh, we're in the Wade Building. Mm-hmm. I'm fifth floor mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look out, and the George Hawks Library is getting torn down mm-hmm. when I moved here. Right. So that they could make way for 101 Center mm-hmm. and everything there, start rebuilding a, a new library mm-hmm. across the way. Mm-hmm. Now that's like old downtown yeah. Arlington. <laughs> I mean, you've got, I'm looking out the window here. We have yeah. a new apartment, Park that's Place, right. mm-hmm. which is huge. Yes. And that used to be a little odd sandwich shop, sandwich shop, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. It, Arlington is changing around us, mm-hmm. but the demographics are changing a lot. For so sure. I guess the context is just the harvest is plentiful. That's right. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Let's not miss it. Mm-hmm. But then you talk about just the given of just the commitment that mm-hmm. we have, which mm-hmm. for you is the, the gospel's good news and the world needs it. Right. I don't know how you worded mm-hmm. it, but it was That's something right. like mm-hmm. that. So those are givens, and I don't think we need to take a ton right. of time on those Correct. unless there's anything you I'd want to give. But what I do want to talk about is this catch right. scene 
<laughs> and how we that translates to the us as fishers of men right. in this in this current context because mm-hmm. it is very different. Mm-hmm. But you hopped into numerology <laughs> in your sermon, which is unusual for me. Well, I've been here eight and a half years, and I'm not saying you haven't, but it's not. Yeah. So can you? I don't know much about numerology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luke was sitting next to me while we were watching it in the Welcome Home Center while yeah. we were helping some guests, and he was like, "Oh man, what's he doing?" <laughs> and if he was here today, he would probably he was kind of like, "People are going to come talk to me about this," and I'm not sure what I'm going to say, you know. And so tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. for the listener mm-hmm. and the watcher, right? The viewer, mm-hmm. we may not know much about numerology right. at all. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? Where'd it come from? Right. Well, there is no question. And how did you tie it back to yeah. the obscure text? <laughs> there is no question that the biblical writers use numerology symbolically. Mm-hmm. There's just no question about so it. There's some more obvious examples uh, of, of that, course. perhaps. I mean, for example, John. And so for the fact that I'm reading John's gospel, and this is the same person who writes the book of Revelation, which Full has some of that in of, it. You know, you don't have... Mm-hmm five churches in the book of Revelation. You have seven churches in the book of Revelation. Well, the number seven has this idea of completeness in Jewish uh, theology. The Lord created the world or the universe in seven days, that we live in a rhythm of seven days every week. And for them, every seventh day is a special day. It belongs to the Lord. They call it the Sabbath and so, um, so whenever you see the number seven or any derivative of seven in the scripture, you have to at least pause and go, hmm, that's interesting. And then for whatever reason, the number 12 is very important to Jewish theology and history. You have the 12 tribes of Israel under the old covenant. So when the new covenant is going to be established by Jesus, how many disciples does he choose? Hmm. Well, interestingly enough, Probably random. 12. Probably pretty random. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you've got these 12 apostles. And so um, there's no doubt there's that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the number six also is, a, is an interesting number to them. Mm-hmm. That's the symbol of incompleteness, not quite, if you will. Well, the number three is a perfect number to, the, uh, to Christians um, because of the Trinity. Right. And so if you take the number three and combine it with anything, mm-hmm. well, there's something there in Christian numerology so, for example, you get to um, the any kind of um, number that's affiliated with Satan. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just six; it's six, 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 three sixes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and so you know, you, you you start seeing all this, and there's just no question it's there. You yep. know, so you've you, you you've got the number thousand, which also seems to have a certain feel of completeness to it. There's the thousand year reign of Christ. And then you've got the number in in the book of Revelation of 12 times 12 times 1,000. So Mm -hmm. you get Mm 144,000. So you've got the old covenant, the new covenant, times 1,000. So there's no doubt Mm -hmm. that there's something there. Now, you can go to seed on it. And people do, right? They do. You can go crazy with it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which I don't think I do. But Let's hope not. I don't um, don't want to be part of that. Yeah, when you're reading this gospel story— And for John could have told us this story and just said it was an incredible catch of fish, unbelievable, never was, seen anything it like lot. it. I thought it was going to sink the boat. And then he says, as a matter of fact, there were 153. Yeah, which is a number that was like, okay. <laughs> Random. Number. Right. I mean, compared to what you've, all the numbers you've just yes. talked about that would pique yes. my interest. Absolutely. None. Yeah. So yet you found, I mean, <laughs> help me, let's connect the dots. Somewhat, maybe obscure, some people think. Yeah. But I'm not on I'm not on an island here. Um, okay. You start looking for imagery yeah. in the Old Testament because John, 
When you're reading John, you know, one of my uh, professors at seminary used to say what he loved about John is that children can swim freely in John's gospel and frolic and love Mm. it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And elephants can drown Mm. in John's gospel Mm. because on the one hand, it has this simple story. It's accessible. It is. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I mean... I am the good shepherd, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I am they caught the a lot of fish. Of the world. Yes, awesome. Yeah. But then you've got, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So all of a sudden, you, you can go deep into John's gospel really Quick. quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and never and, hit and, the depth. And maybe, right. and correct. Never plumb and, the depth of it. Got, and never find yeah. the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, which is a part of the beauty of the way John tells the story. And so John's language, his use of different verbs, and um, and the way he tells the story, uh, it it's fascinating. And um, you know he he talks about signs and he talks about glory and he connects glory to some interesting things in the life of Jesus. And so if John puts a number in the text, mm-hmm. it, it has to give Don't you pause. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about verse 11, by the way, so, if y'all are, I mean. John 21, yeah. 153 fish. Yeah. So scholars, I'm talking. Large I'm talking, fish. You know, it was full of large fish, large comma, fish. 153, yeah. comma, so and then he keeps going. Pick yeah. somebody, Tertullian, Augustine, and, you know, these ancient church fathers. They all grappled with that number. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like it's a new, it's like it's a new phon- phenomenon to where all of a sudden, you know, in the 20th century, in the middle mm-hmm. of the height of biblical criticism, somebody said, whoa, what, what's this 153? Yeah, which would be easier to dismiss, yeah. right? So, no, yeah. this has been going on a long time, yeah. trying to figure out, is it connected to the uh, uh, the number 10? What's interesting is it's connected to the number 17. You just can't get away from that. That, you know, that um, 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5, right. whatever, takes you to 17. Yeah. That takes you to 153. That's what got scholars' attention, is that 17 being in the heart of 153. Yeah. So they begin scouring mm. the Scripture to try to figure that out. And um, and so where a number of really competent New Testament scholars have landed is in this text from Ezekiel, where if you go back to Ezekiel um, 47, you have this, this story, this prophecy in Ezekiel about this, the people of God, the image of them being fishermen, and they're standing on the shore from En Gedi to uh, En Galim, I think it was. Well, as you know, Hebrew doesn't really have numbers, right. so you, but they have numerical values, the, the letters mm-hmm. do. And those two places, the first one in Hebrew is, adds up to 17. The second one adds up to 153. Well, That caught their attention. Uh-huh. And it's fish. It's the imagery of fishing. Right. So that's one of the things that scholars have done. Is they've gone back to the Old Testament prophecy and said, well, what? Why what's, would this story and what's be John so trying to say? Yeah, what is the point? Yeah. And so I feel pretty confident that 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 that's on John's mind and heart that he is going back to something that he saw prophetically in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Jesus, of course, is the one who's guiding it. And with this miraculous catch, there's the fulfillment of what seems to be prophesied in Ezekiel. And there's this idea of completeness that mm-hmm. all the fish that are supposed to be caught are going to be caught. They're all going to be gathered into one net, mm-hmm. not two nets. So it's not going to be the Jews in this net, the Gentiles mm. in that net. That's one not net. how it's going to be. It's going to be one they net. They can hold it all. All yeah. kinds of fish, just like the fish in the Mediterranean. That's what Ezekiel says. So in other words, all kinds of fish gathered in one place. And that number 153, for some reason, seems to communicate the fulfillment, I believe, mm. of, of the full casting of the net of the mission and purpose of God. Mm. And then one day when all that's gathered and, and God says, 
we've done all that's going to be done in this part of the story, then the end comes. Full fulfillment. Correct. <clears throat> so that's really where that comes from. It's fascinating. I get it. Deep. And you, and you again, I think you've got to be careful and thoughtful. But when you're when you're when you're reading competent New Testament theologians who are very careful mm -hmm. in their interpretation of the text, um, and they and they are particularly in the, in this era are pointing you to Ezekiel 47, numerous yeah. ones of them over and over and over. Yeah, I feel you like pay I'm attention. In, I feel like I'm in good company. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy over it, but I think it's worth pointing out because yeah. I want people, I want our people, when they're reading the text, whenever whenever something in the text gives you pause, there's probably a reason why it gives you pause. Mm -hmm. And you need to take some time to explore. <clears throat> and you may come up with a real simple explanation. Yeah. <clears throat> you may not find anything quite that complex, yeah. which is okay. Some answers are there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, for example, Accessible. you know, Jesus will t say the you know, guy was on the road to Jericho and it's a three-day journey. Okay, well, I don't have to stop and go, man, three days. I wonder what that's symbolizing. Mm. There's three, man, three is a great number. Yeah. Well, you know, just you don't right. have to it go crazy. Three days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you have something like this that's inserted in such a way that is just a little odd that that detail would be would be included. Right. I think it's there. It's for worth stopping to Correct. listen to. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's yeah. I won't. I won't hinge any fellowship on it. If you disagree with me, I'm good. Um, good. So if anybody doesn't agree, <laughs> if you Try. disagree with Tertullian or Augustine, yeah, right. you just Whatever. come tell it's us. So. It's all yep. good. Fine. I'm good with it. Okay. Well. You got another round in you? I, I got a question mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about a lot of the fishing metaphor as well. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think is a helpful image, and Luke's talked about this with us before too, is in this scene, they're not fishing alone. Correct. Like I learned to fish at Camp Creek Lake with a, a rod and a reel right. and a bobber right. and a worm, mm -hmm. just me. Mm -hmm. So if I caught a fish, I caught a fish. Right. You know, and it was usually a little sun perch. Right. And I caught the same fish 18 times because I was a kid or whatever. <laughs> but in this, there's this nothing is, wrong with that. No, I mean, Nothing wrong this with is it. Texas fishermen. It's all good. This is how we do it, right? That's right. And so um, I don't know how they do it in Alabama. More noodling. <laughs> no, we don't do that. Yeah. That's an Oklahoma phenomenon. We, we, we did some trot lines. Yeah. Which is well, still well, pretty individual. Sure. But anyway. Yeah, we saw that. Because there's catfish. But yeah, anyway, right. this imagery, though, I like and mm -hmm. it's compelling because you're mm -hmm. saying they did it together. That's right. They're fishing. It's mm -hmm. a team. Mm -hmm. And they're with one person couldn't go out and accomplish this. Correct. And so there's this corporate ownership mm -hmm. of the mission of God, mm -hmm. not a siloed. Individualistic. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Because that's really lovely. I love that. In fact, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've had the, I guess, advantage of being in parts of Africa where I have seen fishermen at work mm. and this is how they still do it. They do. You know, these are, uh, these aren't large companies. These are just guys that, they go out and fish every day, and they bring their fish into the market every single yeah. day. People go down there and buy it. I mean, in Sierra Leone, I've seen them do it. And this is what they do. You, you watch them. You see one guy. He he kind of gets out of the boat, and and he's the guy that casts the big net, whatever you call the big net. And so they, they've got kind of the fish encircled, if you will, this huge net. And and he's in the water. You know, you think it'd be kind of weird because you think you shouldn't be scaring all the fish. But the fish have been trapped. They've spotted schools of fish, and they've dropped yeah. it down deep enough where – those fish on. aren't deep diving kind of fish. And so, um, well, then you've got the casters and you see those guys and they're working together and they're casting these nets, they're casting it inside the big net. Mm -hmm. And then they start, they've got a way that they, they're holding on to these ropes, if you will, and they start drawing it in from the bottom side mm -hmm. and it just kind of closes on the fish. And then you can watch them. They'll just pull it up onto the deck of their boat. And actually when they get to the, at least the ones I've seen, when they get to the the little harbor or whatever you want to call it, they have yeah. these wooden platforms and those guys come and they're still in the net. 
and they'll just lay those nets out. And you mm -hmm. see these women there who are coming in the evening. They don't have refrigerators. So they're coming in the late afternoon, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes in the morning. And they're just grabbing live fish and they're putting them in these buckets. And that's I mean, that's what they're doing. They're they're buying. They're selling their catch. Wow. And so. Very but corporate. You, but very yes, corporate. But there's though. never one fisherman. I mean, okay. In that endeavor, about, <laughs> about how many people does it take um, to get that to get that fish to market? Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the last one I saw in Sierra Leone, there were about 10 guys uh -huh. in this little group, you know. And, and then the women on the pier. Yeah. And, and the women were everywhere on the pier just waiting for them yeah. to come, you know. And so I thought it was a really cool thing, you know, because... I couldn't help but think of these stories right mm -hmm. here. And to be honest with yeah. you, I didn't really go far enough in my thinking. I was just thinking to myself, man, this is this has been going on a long yeah. time. Yeah. And this is still how these guys are doing this. And but the connection to me, which I think is a powerful one when it comes to being fishers of men, is that we need to do this together. You know, we don't we don't have to evangelize individually. We come together as people and and that's why I tried to paint that picture Sunday morning for the church to 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 encourage them, our people, to encourage you, any of us. Partner up with some people and figure out ways to reach people with the gospel. You don't have to do this all by yourself. You don't. You can have individual conversations, and you should. Yeah. But there's more to it than that. And We're we actually have a, a whole ministerial staff that would love to help you. Absolutely. You know, Luke yes, particularly sure. is chomping at the bit right. to help groups figure yes. out how to turn outwardly. Yes. And that's what these table groups are and about. And still be you. Yes, I mean, that's the, the beauty of it. We're, yeah. not, we're not asking you to change your DNA, yeah. whoever you are and whatever yeah. group you run mm -hmm. in. But Sunday school classes, yeah. the way we do church here, we have Sunday school classes, yeah. which I love. We're rich with groups, but and they man, are rich. Those groups are great. Um, they're, they're great net casters, yeah. you know, particularly if we do it together. Mm -hmm. Get together with a group, a smaller group within your Sunday school class or your small group. Say, okay, yeah. who all do we know? Who are we encountering right now that we know needs the gospel? We know needs the church. Maybe it's somebody's connected to your grandchildren or to your children or to you, you know, or whoever. Well, there's nothing wrong. And in fact, I think it's the best way to do it, to come together and decide how can we best do this and who's good at what. Mm -hmm. And some people are good at hosting. Why can't? What if we have a dinner at your house and invite two of these couples? Because you're really good at hosting things. And I'm pretty good at inviting. I'm just not good at hosting. I mean, yeah. you start table groups are, are really uh, one of the experiments for us right now of net casting together, if you will, of, um, and fish together. I just think it's a great way to do it. And to me, it, it, you share in the joy of it because Jesus, I mean, the Bible says, uh, I think it's Paul says that one day, this, you know, he uses a different image. He uses the sower and the harvester. It's the same principle. Mm -hmm. Paul says one day in glory, the sower and the harvester are going to walk together because you know, they work together. Yeah. You know, some of us are really good at sowing. Some of us are good at harvesting. Well, and that so. ties into, and I, you've said it on your big whiteboard Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then you quoted Ephesians at the benediction, but this idea of the, that God has gifted the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. sense that we all have different um, stations, mm -hmm. different gifts that we bring. Mm -hmm. And those are, I mean, when you talk about, some people are gifted in just gathering people. They are. And my husband can do that. He's mm -hmm. just good at bringing people around a table mm -hmm. and making them feel very, even though they're from different areas of life together. Mm -hmm. And then you have evangel, like that's, that's an evangelical mm -hmm. Way. But then you have shepherds that are going to kind of keep them and keep mm -hmm. them connected. That's right. And you have uh, apostles that are going to go mm -hmm. find new people groups. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a, a sense that, um, well, I'm left out teachers. There's teachers who are mm -hmm. going to teach. Uh, but anyway, there's just this sense that we can do things together and we actually are gifted mm -hmm. and stationed within mm -hmm. the church of from different angles. It's almost to, like to God knew it. what he was doing when he put us together as a church. You know? uh, 
<laughs> I mean, and then you think about yeah. all the spiritual gifts. People have the yeah. gift of hospitality, the Absolutely. gift of mercy, the gift yeah. of administration. Well, just to hold it all together. That's a, that's yeah. a composite. If you know, that's the corporate body of Christ, and so it just stands to reason that to me, we were, we're better together doing this than we are this individually. And it also, uh, to me, it it removes a couple of things. It removes the excuse. Well, I'm sound evangelist. Well, okay, but guess what? You're still called yeah. evangelism. Doesn't matter. Or it removes the kind of the sense of obligation. I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you do, but if you do it together in concert with other believers, you draw upon each other's gifts and skills because some of us are better at some things than others, which is awesome. You know, Cindy's really good um, uh, uh, hosting. She's a great uh, hospitality person. She loves to do that when she has time. But she doesn't want to be the person in the mix that's drawing the people in and kind of keeping the party going, so to speak. That's my job. Yeah. So that's how we've done it through the years. We'll have groups at our house, and Cindy's going to make sure they have everything they need. She's really good uh-huh. at that. I'm not. I don't think of it sometimes. Yeah. And I'm always like, they'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. She's like, they're not going to be fine. Yeah. These round plates are all going to go right over here. Yeah. That's how it's going to go. Yeah. Okay, I think we need to put yeah. those round plates over there. Yeah. But they're going to they, be fine. You know why they're going to be fine? Because yeah. she thought through everything. Exactly yeah. right. Because Brian and I have a little bit of that. Yeah, okay. it'll all but work then, out. But you when know they get there, out. I'm the one that's in the mix. Yeah, keeping the party going. And so we do that together. And and. And to me, what it does is it, it becomes a blessing because we build off each other's strengths. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a much better experience than if I were trying to do all of it or if she were trying to do all of it. Well, take yes. that take that however far you yeah. want to take it. To me, the Lord dog. has given us people in the church, all kind of people, gifted. Well, let's, let's find our way to each other and then let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go fishing because there's well, a because whole the lot of Well, because the first thing that you talked about in the sermon, the well, the second thing, our commitment is that the gospel is good news That's right. and everybody needs it. Absolutely. And, and I think they're hungry for it, Katie. I do. I think they're hungry for people today. They want to believe in something. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much cynicism in my society today, and I get it because everywhere you look, it, it, it's just hard to believe in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at you look at so many systems that yep. are in place today and you're like, this is corrupt or it's... They're not worth this, trust, so, Exactly. Right? I'm yep. not going to give my life to it. People need to be a part of something that really matters. And we're, we are in the thing that matters the most. <laughs> and so, uh, yes, a, we are in a relatively hopeless and very cynical society. Yes. And we have good news. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it really is good news. Mm-hmm. And, and people s- are drawn to it and they're drawn to authentic people. You know, when I, yeah. a few years ago, yeah. I was at LaGuardia airport and uh, we were, LaGuardia is a lot nicer than it used to be. Yeah, it is. Here's my. Yeah, it is. I went. I don't know. I, I, this, relatively this recently, is, and I. This story's back when it old, wasn't. It was it wasn't great. okay. Well, last time <laughs> I went, I thought this isn't Laguardia. Anyway, it's much better. That's now. a freebie. I agree. That's a freebie. Okay. But I was, I was, we were trying, we were supposed to catch some type of a shuttle, and we were having trouble finding it, and we were coming down the escalator, and Cindy and I, and we both had this look of, are we? Is this the right? Are we on the right? That we're looking for signs. Right as we get close to the bottom, there's a little desk there, and there's a guy standing there, and he was just kind of, kind of bobbing, and, and and he looked when he said, "I can tell by that look, you have no idea where you're going, and that's why I'm here." And I went, "Awesome!" Yeah. And I told him, "I said, well, I'm trying to do this," and he said, "But you are in the right I'm really place." Glad he you're said, "Right over here, bus B is coming." You sit right there, and I'm telling you, I'll let you know when I it gets here. I love that confidence. And then I he turns it. around, and I'm watching him do that just all day long. Oh, all day. So finally, I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, dude, um, I want to ask you something." I said, "You you enjoy your your job?" He said, "How can I not enjoy my job?" He said, "I am on mission 
from God. He said, you see, I'm a Christian. And so part of my responsibility is to make this right here shine. He said, I, I don't know how to fly an airplane. He said, I don't understand all the ticketing that everybody's doing here. He said, but you know what? I know this little area right here. And he said, as long as I'm here, the light is going to be on. And man, I just high-fived him, you know, and I thought, awesome. I love that, yeah. you know. So it wasn't that he was preaching. He wasn't teaching, but there was something He's, about him that I was just watching people who were just drawn yeah. to him, going up to him and talking to him. And uh, so when I went out that day, I told him, I said, I want to tell you something. I'm also a Christian. Good job. And he just high-fived me. And um, and I thought, I just love it. Pe people are drawn to people that believe in what they're doing, that yeah. they, they're authentic at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. To him, he recognized his yeah. role was to help all of us get to where mm -hmm. he knew we and, all weren't trying to go and somewhere. And it seems like he found a really natural way to share that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, did so. you know this connected to my life with God? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't shy away from the fact that, I love it. you know. First thing he said, I'm on mission from God. Yeah. I thought, man, me and you, and you we're, we're going to be buddies. Like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Blues Brothers? I get that yeah, right. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but I, I just think people are drawn to authenticity. And you live it yeah. out in a way that's indigenous to you. And then do it together with a group, and people are going to be drawn And you don't to have it. to be perfect. We talk right. about authenticity. That's right. It's figuring out how to share the gospel and do it well. I'm not saying I have, but it can be embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It can be messy. Mm -hmm. You can feel like you failed. Mm -hmm. But the only failure really is if you stop trying. That's right. Because we're in it to learn and right. to follow, just to be faithful to God. That's right. And I think that's the mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. If we really want to follow Jesus in this mm -hmm. world, just keep doing it. We're going to figure out how to lift him up. That's right. Just keep to doing a it. Hopeless and hurting world. That's right. So, Amen. Okay, boss. I say we end it there. Is that I okay like with it. you? I love it. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening mm -hmm. and, and viewing. Wow. Hi. Um, we don't. I don't know where this is going, but <laughs> say hi in the comments and we'll do it again. That's right. <laughs> I think it's going on Facebook, right? Uh, I think so. Wherever. We're going to make it as accessible as possible, and I think Perfect. our Facebook page is one of those. So uh, yeah. we appreciate each of you, those mm -hmm. listening and those viewing, and just our church. We just mm -hmm. love being here. I know we've talked about that. We're grateful to be here to serve you yeah. all. Amen. And to, follow Jesus together in this context that we're living in. So uh, thank you. We'll be back next week with Luke. listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.